Hey everybody, it's comedian Trent McClellan and you're listening to my podcast called The Generators. Every single week I have a cool guest and we talk about uh, life, professions, creativity, success, failure, and all sorts of other cool stuff. In every single one of these conversations, I learn a great deal, and I'm pretty sure you're going to learn a great deal, too. So uh, hang on tight, and thanks for listening to The Generators. tell you what you're doing you're listening to episode 12 of the generators with trent mcclellan that's what you're doing you probably couldn't be doing anything better than that right now what a great way to spend some time you know learning about people and their you know work and creativity and life and all sorts of fantastic stuff you know in this crazy age we're living in i don't know you know there's worse ways to spend your time anyway thanks for uh for stopping by i really appreciate it we're on to 12 here, and uh, we're uh, we're tiptoeing into the world of music, everybody. That's what we're doing. Uh, guest this week is none other than Mr. Alan Doyle, uh, one of the uh, founding members of Great Big C, and now with his own solo project, Alan Doyle and the Beautiful Gypsies, who are also amazing as well. And uh, Alan was uh, nice enough to... Um, to have a chat with me by phone, the irony of this is I'm recording this introduction right now in Mount Pearl, Newfoundland, but I recorded this interview maybe three or four weeks ago over the phone. Alan was in uh, here in Newfoundland and I was in Calgary, so we had to do it by phone because he wasn't going to be here while I was here and yada, yada, yada. It's a, all I'm saying is there's a lot of logistics, people, to bring this stuff to you every week, okay? These are busy people I'm talking to. I also tend to be busy from time to time and so therefore there is some logistical work needed with which to make this thing work okay but due to the marvels of technology and uh, basically one wire that i had to purchase at long and mcquaid i'm able to now do this via phone so there's a couple phone episodes um cassie campbell was a was a phone chat and uh, this one is too and uh yeah but it, it worked out and was and was great so I'll, we'll bring you that here in a, in a little bit, but uh, what have I got? What have I got going on? I've been back here in Newfoundland for uh, a few days and was in my hometown of uh, Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. Man, oh man, it is uh, it is equally as stunning every time I go home, and still somewhat heartbreaking that there aren't more things in the city to highlight the beauty and coastal beauty that is of the area. I mean, it's uh, it's. Sometimes when you live somewhere, you don't realize how good you have it, and you you usually don't realize that when someone's coming from someplace that's very different than where you live, that to them, what you look take for granted on a daily basis is actually breathtaking. And I think that's the situation with Cornerbrook, that people have seen this view for their entire lives, and it's like, yeah, we get it. It's nice. 
but you need to really highlight it and put it in a a framework that allows people to just enjoy it on a regular basis and let them have access to the water and all those things. So I think there's talks of doing that. And I hope that happens because that, that needs to happen, you know? Um, so a uh, great little place there called Bartlett's point, which is a little park right on the water, just in uh, curling, just outside of Cornerbrook, my hometown. And, uh, Ran into a good buddy of mine there, actually, who ironically also lives in Calgary. But uh, he happened to be home at the same time I'm home. So we got together with some other buddies and uh, and hung out. Typical Cornerbrook night, obviously. Went down to a, a, a an establishment, a drinking establishment, if you will, with uh, with three other, four other buddies. And after two beers, we end up in uh, one of their parents' sheds uh, looking at a salmon rod. I mean, that's, you know, you're going out anyway. You know, why not end the night as you normally would uh, with beers in a shed and, and looking at some uh, some fishing tackle? I mean, that's, you know, I don't know if there's a more Newfoundland stereotype than that. I don't know. We could have shot a commercial there, right there for a Newfoundland Labrador tourism commercial, you know. So, uh, but it was great to see those guys, some of which I've known since kindergarten. And uh, they're back floating around my hometown. So it was, it was awesome to see them and uh, relive old memories. And, you know, we think about, times now as being crazy and hectic but we you know we live in childhood memories and you think back man like we also did some pretty crazy stuff you know like is the fort in the woods still a thing that people do kids these days probably not right like where you were just gone for hours and you basically became a contractor and you built a, a, a some type of uh, facility in the woods like that was that's how much free time you were given, where you could actually go find supplies and build basically a second home in the woods. And no one's folks knew about it. It was just a place you could go. Usually people would go there and smoke cigarettes or drink, uh, or they found a dirty magazine in the woods, and that was where it was going to be there now. So uh, either way, you had this domicile in the woods. Like That was a thing. People did all the time in my hometown. Just to find a patch of woods and uh, go build yourself a place. I mean, it was shaky. I mean, you know, I don't think it passed any kind of uh, construction codes, mind you. But that was a thing. I don't know. I don't know if you did that. Email me or message me if you uh, built little forts and stuff when you were a kid, like actual wood nails. You'd find plastic somewhere. You're like, yeah, it's just build this thing. This was uh, I'd be a place we'll we'll kind of cohabitate for a number of years. And uh, we had some good laughs talking about that, man. And uh, so it was great to see those guys. All were doing well. And then they came out to my show um, in Stephenville, which is like an hour away from my hometown. And uh, wow, what an awesome show. There are certain nights when you're on stage where you feel like, um, well, I mean, the goal every night for me is to feel like I'm home anyway. And stage feels more and more like home every time I'm on it. It just is a a good place to be for me on stage. It's always been that way. But there are certain shows where you just feel like, man, I'm like, it's like a playground for you as a kid. You're just, you know, pulling out memories. And, you know, uh, I just really, really enjoyed myself on stage uh, that night in Stephenville. Such a great crowd, very sharp, very energetic. And only comedians will get this, but there are certain bits that you do when you set them up and you're getting to the punchline part, when you set it up, sometimes the audience will laugh because they're already a half step ahead of you. 
and they there are only they they've already started to imagine what you're going to say next and that was that crowd in St- in Stephenville that night where they were like we we can't wait for you to get where we think you're going to get to and those are special nights when you have that and uh I mean I had elementary school teachers former elementary school teachers that were there uh watching the show and one of my former teachers Kay Jordan her incredibly talented grandson uh, Bailey Jordan Neal, he opened up the show. This kid's like, I don't know, like 19, 20 years old and uh, only been playing guitar for a few years and such an incredible talent, such an incredible talent, great stage presence, um, you know, going up there playing, kind of mashing stuff up a la Ed Sheeran, you know, and uh, I just like it's a great way to start the show with just some incredible music and it's a contrast, obviously, to what I do stand-up-wise. So, you know, I kind of like I like that vibe. You know, I didn't think it would work. Sometimes music doesn't work well with comedy afterwards, but this that kind of style does work. And you take a little break, and then I do my thing. But uh, this kid's great, man. I think he's got a bright future. Got to keep his head down, keep working hard, start cranking out some original tunes, and just uh, be prepared for the ride. You know, so that would be my advice to him. But what a great future ahead of you when you can start at such an early age and you, you found your passion already. I mean, that's, that's an awesome thing. And ironically, we touch on that. Uh, when I talked to Alan Doyle a little bit, um, we talk a little bit about, you know, following your passion early in age, early at an early age. And, um, so yeah, the show was so much fun. Big thanks to everyone that came out to Stephenville. A lot of folks from corner Brook drove out to, uh, to make their way to that, uh, lovely little town that I was able to uh, check out a little bit more of. And, um, yeah, such a fun night, such a fun night to do. So show's coming up for me next. What have I got going on? I got, uh, the gathering with Shama Jundar. We're doing the comedy portion of that whole, uh, food, fire, fun, uh, foolishness festival on the 24th, the Thursday. There's two shows, an early show and a late show. I think the early show is a little bit of a cleaner show, apparently a little bit more CBC ish. And the late show, I think is a little bit more, uh, do what you want to do. So, uh, yeah, I still think there's tickets left for that. I don't think the venue is overly big, so you may want to get a move on. You can go to uh, uh, The Gathering, I do believe. I think they've got their own website. and Check that out. And uh, myself, I think Mark Critch, I'm a gender. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic, a fantastic night. It's like it's I'm excited to get there. And I just get to hang out and have delicious food and have some uh, cocktails and uh listen to some great music apparently joel plaskett and his dad are going to be there incredible i've heard some of their music on the radio a little while ago from the, their last album so um it's gonna be a blast hopefully the weather cooperates and uh looking forward to getting to burlington it's uh shama Jundra's hometown i've never been seen it on uh tv a number of times when sean's doing different stuff to promote it so i'm excited to uh to get down there and experience experience the burlingtonness in all its uh glory and then after that, uh, September 9th is my last show before I head off to 22 Minutes um, at Memorial University at the uh, Recital Theater there. And I think we have like 200 tickets gone. It only holds a little under 300. So this thing looks like it's well on its way to a sellout pretty quick here. So if you're interested in going to that, you can go to trendscomedy.com and get some dates. We're doing something a little different, doing a stand-up show, and then going to sit down and take some questions from people. And again, you can ask anything you want. So if that interests you, uh, you should check that out. Uh, it's going to be a good night too. So lots of cool shows coming up. So this conversation with Alan Doyle, um, 
I met Alan a few times, and we did an event, a uh, a fundraising event for Memorial University two years ago, and we, we talked a little bit. And Alan, when I thought I thought about it afterwards, you know, Alan Doyle and Great Big C in particular were a really important um, band for me to see, even though I'm not a musician. Kind of watching them from a distance was really important for me to see, I think, because they were from the same province I was from, and they were a band who, I guess, you could say, quote, unquote, made it. And I think it was really interesting for me because most bands, musicians, um, for the most part, they, if they were from Newfoundland, they stayed in Newfoundland. They had their success in Newfoundland. Newfoundlanders really related to what they were doing. It was a certain kind of music, and um, it was for a certain demographic, which was people from Newfoundland and Labrador. But what was special about you know Alan's band, Great Big C, was that they were able to then take that and were able to relay it to the rest of the country and to different countries. They were able to go to you know places in Europe and go to the United States and play. And to me to sit back and watch that from a distance was like, Oh, this, this can be done. You can take this kind of special little thing we have here in Newfoundland and Labrador, and you can spread it out. You can, you can be an artist or a performer that does relate and is um, palatable to people from all over the world. That was a really important thing for me to, to watch and take in. And I think I took it in kind of subconsciously, but when I look back on it now, it was really, really important to see because you, sometimes you need to see someone, you know, jump over the wall first and you go, Oh, you can get over that wall that you, it's doable, you know? And, but I think up to that point, I don't know if I'd seen anyone do it really, that it was, that really resonated with me, I guess you would say. So, uh, to see, to see Alan and his band do that and have the success that they had, um, I think was really, really formative um, for me to uh, to see that. And I think if you're a performer and you're not from Newfoundland, Labrador, it's a little difficult to to maybe comprehend that. Maybe the parallel will be, you know, if you're in your own hometown and you've had a certain amount of success, how do you take that success to the rest of your province? Or if you live in the, in the States, how do you take that to the rest of your state, um, the rest of your region? How do you make it grow? How does it have uh, legs, so to speak? And uh, but I think for people who are performers and creators in Newfoundland and Labrador, sometimes you can just stay in that lane, and it's just a thing for people who come from where you come from, and it can resonate really strongly with them. And you just stay in that lane for the rest of your career. But seeing what those guys did, it it allowed me to realize like, oh, you can spread this out. You can spread the net wider, and uh, and other people can get it, and other people can enjoy it. And I think I took a lot of those lessons into my stand-up. It's like I I like talking about Newfoundland and Labrador a little bit. I like some of those references in there, but I also like doing stuff that just is relatable to everybody, regardless of if you're from a small town or a big city or you live in San Diego or a small town in Texas or you're in Saskatchewan, um, you know, Toronto. It doesn't matter. It's like a, they're just human things that are somehow – primal in everyone's experience and so therefore everyone can kind of relate to it so i think that was why that band was so important we get into a lot of things man in this talk and and uh a few a few times we think kind of parallel uh 
the similarities and differences between music and, and stand up, which I think is a really, really interesting conversation um, that I like having anyway. I like listening to because you always look over the fence and see what someone else is doing in another field. And, and how is that? Um, is there anything, any lessons you can learn from that? And you can apply to your own career and your own journey with it. And we, uh, we get in, uh, into some of those and, Alan's a guy, man, who uh, is incredibly talented, I think is very, very um, grateful for the life that he has and for the career that he's had thus far. I think that's evident when you when you hear him talking about how passionate he is about what he does. And um, again, like all people who are you know generally talented and who have a certain level of success in this business, there's a certain work ethic that I think is just uh is just your co-pilot you just will need that regardless of what you want to tackle going forward and i think he's a guy that i mean this guy is constantly on the road also trying to constantly come back and balance time with family and and uh and we and we get into that a little bit too so it's you know man it's again there's so many parallels through all the episodes uh thus far and the people that i've talked to and uh you know it's been said a hundred times probably on this thing but talent is not enough and uh, once you accept that and realize that there are other factors at play and you start addressing those, then you got a shot, you know, you got a shot at, at doing something special and being happy in this, uh, in this business and in this racket. So it was, uh, again, it was very, very, I was really grateful for Alan to give me some time, uh, super busy guy. Uh, we're doing this on the phone. He's watching his young fella <laughs> at the time. So at the end of our time, he's got to go because he's got to, he's got to go uh, do some constructing with his young fella um, of a, of a, of a, um, a childhood uh, domicile that we, many of us may have had as well. So you'll have to listen for that at the end. And um, it was a uh, super interesting chat, man. It's, it's one of those things when I talk to people who are, who are really creative and especially in other fields as well, I, I, you know, I could go all day. So this one's a bit of a shorter one as Alan only had so much time. Um, but it was, uh, it was a great one and a lot of fun. And uh, I, I, uh, Again, just I'm really grateful for their uh, that these folks give me their time. They're some of the busiest people out there in the world and in the games. So I think, um, yeah, let's get into it. Um, everyone for the coming out to the shows again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, as I said, tickets are going very very quickly for this St. John show. Um, if you are looking to go September 9th, I would not wait much longer because it looks like it's going to be uh, a sellout here in the next little while. So you might want to get a move on. And again, there's a Q&A at the end of that. So it's kind of a unique opportunity to kind of, um, yeah, ask some stuff and, um, yeah, see another side of me somewhat. And uh, probably more the generator's version of me, you know, not so much performer me, more, hey, let's talk serious for a second. And I, uh, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of different me's, you know, what can I say? And, um, yeah, thanks to everyone who came out to the show in Stephenville, too. I really appreciate it. Again, all the folks from that area. Also, too, shout out to everyone at, at the Stephenville Arts and Culture Center. They were so great. All the technical crew there. Um, sound was great. Light was great. They take good care of you. I put a little video on my Facebook fan page and Facebook page about uh, the fruit tray. I mean, that's when you know you've made it, when you got the fruit tray. So I did a little comment on that. But it's the small things that make a difference. And they um, they were so cool to work with. It's the second time I've performed there. And and um, they make you feel right at home, and there's no stress. You just go there. It's all good. All you got to do is just do what you do, and there's nothing else to worry about. So uh, hats off to everyone at the uh, Steve Malarchin Culture Center for, uh, for everything they did uh, last week. I really appreciate it. Uh, oh, this last thing. I just got back from Trinity, Newfoundland. If you haven't been to Trinity, 
you got to check this out. I mean, I feel like since I moved away to Alberta, I almost had to go away to come back to, again, realize the beauty of the place and province in which you live. You haven't been to Trinity. you got to go. I mean, it is a one of the most little tranquil and beautiful, cozy little places I've ever seen. Um, I think, obviously, the people were a lot smaller back then as I smoked my head off a doorway. So I don't recommend you do that. But then again, when you're 6'3", and you're trying to enter a doorway that's about 6'1", that's going to happen, you know? And uh, no concussion involved, but I did take a good shot to the top of the head. Days a little bit, you know? Got the standing eight count, and then I went in to uh, do my business. But other than that, all good things, uh, beautiful scenery, saw some incredible performers in the uh, pageant they have down there, and uh, we caught a couple plays, um, a dinner theater as well. I mean... People are singing, dancing, acting, playing instruments. I mean, it's uh, an incredible load of talent on display down there. So if you're in the Newfoundland uh, area, get yourself at the Trinity and check out some of the shows and um, get down and check out some of the history down there. It's such a cool little place. It's If you're looking to get away from hustle and bustle and you just want peaceful, beautiful views, then Trinity is where you want to go and check it out. It um, did not disappoint. We We absolutely loved it. So... Just got back from there and uh, want to get back at some point, yeah. Ran into my good friend Mark Critch down there, which was great. Uh, Going to be a 22 Minutes colleague, so uh, great to see him down there as well. But, yeah, get to Trinity. Write it down right now. Make it happen. All right, enough of this, enough build-up, enough preamble. Uh, it's now time for my uh, conversation with Mr. Alan Doyle. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Got him open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around. Cover much ground. Got game by the staying up there for two or three extra days. You know, it's like it's, you know, you just, you just, the things that we come to accept as normal freaks me out. It's like, it, it, and, and in a way, because you kind of have to, right? Like, I can't think about how often I get on a plane and fly to Toronto because if I do, it'll drive me cracked. So I just, you know, I just do it and I go like, yeah, it's like, that's my morning commute is <laughs> to go to fly to Pierce. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I, uh, I had a weird moment, man, a year or two back, I was driving down, uh, I was doing some gigs in California and I'm driving down the Pacific coast highway and it kind of hit me. Like you have one of these surreal outside yourselves moment where I'm looking at this beautiful Pacific ocean and I'm going, yeah. man, like my ridiculous thoughts that I think of in the shower are the reason I'm in this car driving to do yeah. this gig. Like it was surreal to yeah. think yeah. that this is a job that exists in the world. Yeah. Like, no, you're totally, it's totally right. Like that. I, I sort of get the same feeling sometimes. It might be different because I always have a gang with me Yeah. and I look, you know, I look down the tour bus at like sort of 11 jobs that are created by songs that I'm singing. Yeah. Like, like that's, that's a cool feeling. Like it's a really, like it's a, you know, it, 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 we're we're lucky, man. We're, we're lucky, you know. Yeah. It's just, there are parts of it that are tough and long and all that stuff, but it really is. I mean, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no denying that it is kind of a dream come true to get to do this kind of thing for a living. Because it's a dangerous thing too, and I think I would say musicians or anyone in entertainment would probably go through the same thing at different points in their career where. You know, you're really an entrepreneur, right? And you're trying to always think next, next, what's the next thing? What's the next tour for you? What's the next album? What's the next song? What's yeah. the next project? 
So being able to actually sit in a moment and enjoy where you are right now, like I had a real difficult time with that because I was always yeah. thinking next, next. And I've learned over time that really, I guess, the gift is being able to do this like on a, you know, on a nightly basis and just enjoy oh, yeah. where you're at. But you almost got to train yourself <laughs> mentally to do that, right? Yeah. The, I would say the journey is the destination. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, you know, why, you know, why do you play – you know what's the why do you play a hundred concerts a year? Because I get to play a hundred concerts a year, right? All right, you know it's like it's the, I don't do this to get somewhere else. Like I always say, I didn't I didn't get in the music business because I wanted to get rich, right? I didn't get in the music business because I wanted to get laid, or <laughs> or I didn't get in the music business to have the biggest hit in the world and then get famous. I didn't. I got in the music business because I wanted to be in the music. I, I wanted to play music for a living, for right. a lifetime. You know, I didn't. I don't. I, I never ever wanted to, to like have the biggest hit of 2015 and then retire on the money to a villa in Spain. You know, right? That's right. I, ne I just. I don't. I don't want that. I want to come back. You know, like I, I want to play music for a living. You know, I, I want to work and I want to. You know, and, and it's like, and and that's a different goal than you know sort of looking at the charts or something like that to say, you know, and I think you're right that, you know, what I would say about the arts, you know, if you love the work enough, the work will save you. That's all you need. If you love the work enough, you don't need anything but the work. Yeah, I totally agree. I think too, when you have the, when the goals are external as they are for some people, it's never enough, man. You know, you're always no, it's never enough. It's never enough money. There's, there's never enough seats sold. There's never enough tickets sold. There's never enough. You know, like it's so with that, you're chasing something that doesn't even exist at the end of the day, right? So if you can have that true north of just yeah, like, showing what you're doing, there, like for there's there would never be enough money to do this for a living just for the money, right? There would never be enough, you know, sex and drugs and rock and roll to do it for that. You had to do it just. Just for the music and for the because you love doing it and this and if you love doing it it's wonderful. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree, man. I think that and that's for any walk of life. I don't think just for entertainment. I think anyone who can find what they love to do at the end yeah. of the day that'll that'll guide you to where the rest of it will eventually take care of itself. So um, yeah. I know you got a new album coming out, brother. Uh, it's called A Week at the Warehouse, right? That's right. And uh, I got to do it in, in Vancouver with Bob Rock. It was so cool. Yeah, so he's like the mega producer, right? We're talking Metallica, all that stuff. And you, uh, I was listening yeah. to the interview. You, apparently, you used the uh, the assistance of Miss Jan Arden, apparently, to uh, to make this, <laughs> true story to, to make this happen. To tell folks. About well, I, the story goes that I wanted I wanted to do this record to reflect what the the concert looks like these days because our band is so amazing. I wanted I wanted the, the record to be that band playing live in a room. And in the kind of new way to make music, with pop music and stuff, a lot of the music gets made in computers and, and with a couple of guys in a room and stuff gets layered on top one bit at a time. And it's very rare these days to have a whole band set up in one room. But that's the way I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it that way, the old school way. And there's not a lot of big producers kicking around that still do it that way. But Bob does. And because, you know, Bob, as you say, did a lot of work with in the earliest days of, you know, hard rock bands in the 80s. And then previous to that, he was in the Payolas. And then, you know, but and then recent years, he's done Tragically Hip records and Michael Bublé records and Jan Arden records. And anyway, so I know Jan, you know, a fair bit. And I, just, I thought that it would be cool if I could get a hold of Bob Rock and see if he would be interested in doing like a Celtic-y 
kind of thing. And so I, I, I texted Jan, and she said, well, I'm talking to Bob tomorrow, and I'm going to tell him to phone you. And, uh, <laughs> and so when I was on the way to pick up my little fella at school, <laughs> like five after two, <laughs> up by the Irving on Torbay Road, <laughs> my phone rang, and I looked at it. And it said Bob Rock, Hawaii, or something. Like that. And I was like, "Oh my god!" So I, so I pulled into the gas station there by Antle's Irving, and <laughs> and I said hello, and he said, "Hey, is that Alan?" I said, like, "Yes, yeah, Alan." He goes, "Hey, it's Bob Rock. Jan Arden told me I had to call you, and I'm not about to piss off Jan Arden." <laughs> she got some pull. She got some pull. And so, that, and that started there, and then, geez, very quickly. Like, I mean, that was just before Christmas, and then just after Christmas, we were doing it. Unreal, man, unreal. Great yeah, fun. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I always think about that as a comedian. You know, I'm a solo performer, and you write, I write my own stuff, and go up and do it. But I think about you guys in a band. There's so many moving parts, man. You know, to yeah. to find both in the studio when you're recording, and also when you're touring and you're doing your live stuff, and. Like you said, a lot of bands are just going to. I'm going to do the uh, the guitar part in London, and uh, Jeff's going to record yeah. the bass part in uh, L.A. Yeah, talk right. talk about a bit a little bit about the kind of that magic in the room when everyone's in the room, just kind of playing live off the floor like that. What do you what do you get from that? Well, what you, you end up getting. I mean, when you do it the other way, when you get um, stuff can be deadly accurate and cool, and uh, there's a there's a certain thing that happens when you know it's perfectly done in everyone's backyard and and that kind of thing. But the thing that you often don't get when you record music, you know, in bits and pieces like that, is you you don't get the sense that you're listening to a performance. You know, part of the art of the old school way of recording music was recording and capturing a performance that where where the totality of the song was played together by a group of people who were going for something, right. you know, and that the motion of it, like, and quite simply put, you know, it, like in, in less kind of, you know, ethereal terms, there's an energy to it that, and an urgency to it that you, you can't possibly get if you do it separately. Right. Right. And you're kind of playing off each other. I would imagine that energy is, is kind of, uh, it's contagious going around the room. Right. So. Yeah. And you're always trying to up, you know, you're, everyone is sort of inspiring everybody else to do a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're driving one another. Did you see that documentary, um, Dave Grohl's documentary, Sound City, when he talked about the... I did. I saw a couple of episodes of it. The one I saw the one they did in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and the, the Cheap Trick dude was in it and all that stuff. And, it's and I saw a little bit of the one they did with um, uh, the guy's name, uh, uh, Escapes Me Now, the guy who did Nirvana and stuff in Wisconsin. Oh right, yeah. I forget that guy's name. Yeah, uh, that was that. That was that uh, Sonic Highways Butch, documentary. Butch, Butch Vig, yeah. Butch Vig, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. that Sonic Highways documentary where they're just going around recording, and it was kind of cool for me as an outsider of the music world to kind of see how that process works for musicians. Yeah. You know, like that studio life of just kind of barricading yourself in there and like, yeah. all right, boys, let's try and make something. Right? It's, it's Trying to make something. I was there. All right, let's make something out of nothing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We're coming in here with a spark, and at the end of it, uh, we're hoping to have an album. Well, right now we have nothing, and let's hope we get something. And, so, uh, exactly, that's all we can do. But, I mean, that's the joy of it. And I mean, I, I love I mean, I, I love that whole thing of being in the studio, you know, because it's one of the only kind of, it's very selfish in a way, you know, because, you know, concerts are very, you know, it's very giving, and you're out there, and you're trying to include and, and engage people and all that kind of stuff. The studio stuff, when you're in that kind of a, you know, it's a really like, like it's a kind of a dream, you know, like the, it, 
if you can get those kind of musicians in a room like we're in the warehouse in Vancouver with a producer like Bob and it's just like it's this 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 next couple of hours is just for us and it's gonna be we're playing for each other and right. it's like you almost never get to do that you know what I mean it's like it's, it's such I think you can hear it on the record too that everyone's thrilled to be a part of it that's cool yeah it comes through I uh I've often felt though too like as a comedian like my creative process has to be done in front of a live audience right like I get my feedback has to come from them like that's that's what's coming out of yeah. the speakers is their laughter whereas you guys yeah. get to go in a studio and bang it out and you're like you know what let's try a harp and uh yeah. you know what the harp is shit never mind take it out like, go on to something else yeah <laughs> you know? and it's just yeah and that that process is just so collaborative and so fun and and like and it, 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 unlike playing live concerts, there, there's no consequences, right? Yeah. You can go in and bomb and it, <laughs> just do it again, you know, or like, or ch you chase an idea for a morning right. and by lunchtime you go, you know, we would just work three and a half hours on that. And you were right. It's terrible. So, <laughs> under, you know, <laughs> and go it again. Yeah, you were right. Yep. It's too fast. Yep. Shouldn't. Yep. Right now. There we go. Start again. <laughs> Start again. You were right. That was garbage. Um, I think. But so. I, I've often wondered about like the life of the solo stand-up comedian. I, I always think of it as like one of the most difficult jobs in show business because, you know, the, the it's I, I need people to clap once every three minutes or so, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. And that can be a voluntary thing. You know, they can they can make themselves clap. Yes. You know what I mean? But you need someone to laugh involuntarily. You know, about every fifteen or sixteen seconds. Yes, yes. So there's so there's so many opportunities for what you're doing to be judged poorly. Yes, and sometimes Alan, you know I mean? sometimes Alan, you have to remind them that they are supposed to laugh every fifteen <laughs> yeah. or sixteen seconds. You know, it's just like it's like there's nothing to hide behind at all. You know, at least you know the joke we always say, like it was a bad gig. Well, at least we had songs to sing. That's right. You can hide. I say you can hide behind the songs. You know, talk behind those, right? I do. Yeah, and and where stand-up comedy has always struck me as like the the most naked thing. You know, you know. It, you know, it's really weird too. Like when you, uh, I know some comedians do gigs where they open for musicians, and I've always, or they've had to follow a musician, which I think is tougher. Dude, I had to go on after Jim Cuddy once at the Edmonton Comedy Festival. Dude goes out there, sings Five Days in May like a bird know, with the harmonica yeah, and guitar. And here's yeah. Skipper here in the wings going to go on next and talk about the food court at the mall. I'm like, I want to hear more Jim Cuddy for Christ's sake. I know. Right? It's hard. I've done, I did a gig one time with Jim where, I can't remember, I think it was a baseball game in, in somewhere where he sang the American National Anthem and then I had to sing Old Canada right. after him. And it was just like, but I do love, I'd love the notion like back in the day, like in the fifties and sixties, the opening act for a bunch of the music was always a comedian. Yeah. yeah they used like Elvis always had a comedian. Johnny Cash, they always had comedians who opened and closed the show. Yeah. And basically served as the MC and the like. And I, I, I think it's a cool idea. I'd like, you know, the, uh, um, that kind of variety night would be fun to do. I'd I'd be up for that. Having like 
Like a comedian. What a laugh. Yeah, it'd be a fun way to start. I think it works that way. I think it can work as the comedian first and then the music because the music's energy and whatever. But when you got to follow the musician who's like, I got these lights and the guitars and the drums. And we go to me just standing at a mic waiting for pauses so I can do the next facial expression, right? It's just a a psychological switch for an audience that they're not ever ready for, right? Well, yeah, and and, and it's really, there's nothing, you know, really that, there's nothing that trumps, uh, you know, a good singer, a good song, and a good band. Like, it's just, this, you know, I always say I feel bad for, for actors, you know, film and television actors especially, you know, when, because when people, people recognize them for their, what they do for a living the same way as they recognize me or any singer or whatever. And, and when you come up to, but you know, and when I, if I'm set at a table, you know, I can always sing a song, right? right. But I can't, you know, what's Russell going to do? Do the second scene from gladiator, you know, like, <laughs> right. you know, the, the second, you know, the totality of your talent comes with you all the time when you're a stand-up comedian and when you're a singer. Whereas for actors that don't like the, what the, 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 the framework that their work gets seen in doesn't travel with them all the time. Right. True. So that, so it it just, I've often felt bad for, you know, you know, so, Hey, you're a famous singer. Hey, nice to see you sing a little song or whatever. And then, Hey, you're a funny guy. Tell a joke. (laughs) I told you you were funny. Hey, you're a famous actor. Hmm. Pretend to pretend to be somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? You know, like, uh, it's just it, 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 it's just it's it, the it's not a present an individual skill set. You know, the, the totality of it is 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 different, and it's like it's interesting. Yeah, no, no. So, no, so no. I'm always glad. I'm always glad to be a singer, and I'm always, I'm always also glad like to be a Newfoundland singer where we can just sing a cappella every now and again. That's kind of natural for us to do, right? So you don't need to have in with you. you sing a song, it's great. Yeah, you right. love it. It's great, and. and People, yeah. people, a little, yeah, the people tune in anyway. It kind of just it demands attention too, right? The minute someone starts singing or playing an instrument, everyone, yeah. just, everyone just shuts up and listens, right? It's like try, yeah. try doing, uh, try doing stand-up comedy sometime at an Indian restaurant at a buffet while people are eating. They're like, yeah, I don't know what that guy's <laughs> talking about, but anyway, we're out of, uh, we're out of tandoori chicken over here, and I don't know if that guy's behind it or not. So it's yeah. uh, sometimes you, uh, yeah, you walk into some uh, some fiery traps, no doubt about it. Um, I wanted to mention your book, dude. Uh, where I belong, and one of the we had, we my wife and I love the book. Like I, I was laughing out loud on a beach, I think somewhere in Mexico, reading the book. And Danielle's like, my wife's like, what are you, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, this book is hilarious, <laughs> and it, it just was such a taste of home, and and uh, but also very funny, great, um, great look inside your life as a as a kid. And I I thought to myself afterwards, man, like how lucky you were to have found music at such an early age and then to go on and pursue it as a career. Like I found stand up at 30, you know what I mean? But whereas you yeah. found your thing at such an early age. Um, and I just thought that was so, so cool. The book was fabulous, man. Uh, thank you so much. And I know you recommended it for one of the lists or something like that. And I was grateful for that. Yeah, it was, you know what? I, I, that sort of came to me by accident, right? Like the, uh, Random House came to me and said, you know, we've been reading the blog uh, that you've been doing. For, we think you should write a book, you know, like a travel book or something, you know. And I was like, well, you know, and, and there was an original idea. It was like, maybe we'll do something with the blogs you've been writing. And I was like, well, I, I don't really want to do that. Like, right. I already kind of, that's already out there. Sounds like kind of a, I, I, I would probably do it now, you know, but I don't, I just didn't want to compile the blogs and yeah, put them out there type thing. So 
They said, well, what would you like to do? I said, well, I could write some stories about growing up in Petty Harbor. I, I kind of had a really different kind of life than people might expect. And and for a guy my age, you know, at the time in my mid-40s, I kind of had a young life that's similar to most people who are 70. Right. <laughs> you know, I kind of lived the same childhood as my father. That's so true. And not many people can so that anyway, I started writing the book and and I you know topically, I just didn't know if people would be interested in this and and then, of course, I also had no mechanical history doing what I was doing, so I was like <laughs> I have no idea if this is any good. I'm gonna clue that's right, yeah, I could stand up and tell all these stories in a bar, and I know people will laugh at me right because I've done it so often, but I don't know if I can write them down and and so with a bit of help and a bit of this, we got through it, and people really loved it, and then so I just finished the kind of a follow-up book to it now that comes out in the fall. It's called The Newfoundlander in Canada. And where the first book was about me sort of in my fishing town, making it to St. John's. This one is me making my first trip across Canada and like discovering what the country looked like compared to the only place I ever really saw, which was home. Right. Yeah. It's insane, man, that, that whole touring aspect as well when you when you like you know when I, when you do leave and you start seeing other parts of the world and not everyone got a clothesline for example like uh, that, yeah like, it's like where's the where's the clothesline sir and people are like oh, yeah, yeah like, we're like, not like, allowed to have them i'm like what do you mean yeah what <laughs> <laughs> like and and then you, like stuff like you go to prince edward island you know and you go like all oh, the streets are kind of organized and it's tidy looking and it's kind of this you know the sand under your feet on the road is kind of soft like I remember going thinking in Prince Edward Island. It's like, like it doesn't the Earth doesn't feel the same? I, I grew up on Bone Rock, you know, and it's like, and it's like, I, and I, I we drove off the ferry going to Prince Edward Island the first time. And it's like, I I can see with my eye right here, just in this car, more growable soil than I'd seen for the previous twenty two years of my life. <laughs> like just right here, just like a snapshot of what I can like, like, <laughs> and. You know, you learn that other places do things better, and in other pl- places things are easier. Or you learn that other places complicate things unnecessarily. You know, and, or and then of course it's the physical part of the journey across the country, where you know a fellow from the coast, you know, gets to see a prairie or a mountain or a big city, or and then combine that with the whole journey of the band growing Crazy. as we made our way across. You know, and. And by the time we got to Vancouver, we were getting, you know, record deals and getting signed. And, 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 and it was just a really weird, odd journey, you know, like that for one fellow to take. <laughs> it's like, no, that's a weird trip across the country. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's not yeah. happening to everybody, right? Every day of the week. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I wanted to mention this to you. I, um, I've had some moments as a comedian where I've, I've found myself uh in some strange company where i thought to myself like how did i get here in this moment in this room and i was after a show i was uh having drinks with bob saget after a show once and uh <laughs> i'm sitting there having drinks with him and he's so nice and down to earth and just like you know just like i'm a comic you know and i'm like no you're not you're not at all you're bob saget you know what i mean in my mind and people are looking around and they're staring over and i again i thought to myself man like this is insane that I'm here in this moment yeah. talking to this dude and he's talking to me like, like an equal in some capacity. You know what I mean? We're I like, no, we both do this. And so, yeah, man. And we're just talking like talking shop. Did you, have you had that moment yourself where you kind of uh, uh, hundreds, you know, just hundreds of them, like where you're, and most of the greats, I guess in any, you know, especially in the arts, 
they're great because they 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 always have their ears open and their eyes open to learn something from the new. They're just as interested to talk to you as you are to them. Right. They want to know how you're doing it and and the like. And when a time for me like that was I was in Australia with working with Russell Crowe on a on a movie I think we were doing and uh, and Elvis Costello was playing in town. Right. And and so Elvis he was he, he was going to come. Uh, <laughs> they were going to go to a supper anyway, but they said, what don't, and Russell just said, "Why don't we do that home show?" We'll just sit down. And Russell has this apartment in downtown Sydney, sort of looking over the harbor. It's beautiful. We'll just we'll have something on the deck type thing. Right. So anyway, that night on the, this private kind of back deck overlooking the opera house in Sydney Harbor, <laughs> I sat for about four hours at a table with Russell Crowe, Elvis Costello, and me, <laughs> and it was just like, I, I you know, I, I the whole night I was just going like. You know, don't curse or something. You know, it's just like, and you know, there. You know, Russell is. You know, you know, one of the greatest actors in history and one of the greatest musicians in history are talking, and they're include, but they're both including me in their discussion as an actor and as a. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, insane! Like, right? What am I? Doing here? You know, you're what like, do you think? Boys, you know, I, can, I think I can wait up by the door, boys, if you want, while you're talking there, and uh, you can let me know when you want me to come back in here. But uh... yeah, I, I, I assumed I was I was playing guitar or something. Am I, <laughs> am I actually in this? I'm in this dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just waiting to be told to to get out of there like that. Yeah, that's insane. But again, it's it's you know, it's your talent and your hard work and the risks you've taken over the course of your life and your career that put you in that moment. You know what I mean? And, and you can't. You'll never. People can never foresee that. You can never predict that no, that thing's coming down the pipe, right? I mean, the thing that I've come to learn, like other than what I just mentioned about how those guys are just, they should be just as interested to talk to you as you are to them, you know, because they want to... The other thing about it is I guarantee you that there was several times in either Bob Saget's life or Elvis Costello's life or Russell's life where they had that moment as well. Mm-hmm. Where that That's the cycle of it, like where they you just find yourself in, in an unusual pinch me kind of situation right yeah exactly you know. and and you wanted someone to be kind to you in that moment and they hope that when the tables are turned they'll also be that kind soul in that moment to make someone feel welcome and, and part of it you know what i mean and uh I, I think yeah i think you're right the great ones are not only talented but i think they got a there's a niceness to them as well and a quality about uh, being curious all the time um, I know you're a busy dude, man, so I'm going to, I'll ask you this last thing, and uh, I know you probably got a baked bread or something there today, or whatever you're doing, I don't know, if <laughs> making rolls, or what, what's going on, yeah. folding laundry, or, you know what I mean? Doing uh, what I'm told. <laughs> doing what I'm told, keep them out of trouble. That's what I, um, I heard a cool podcast uh, yesterday, it was uh, Arlene Dickinson has a new podcast from Dragon's Den, and she's talking to Jan Arden, ironically. Yeah. And, uh this podcast is more of a, uh, a talk about entrepreneurship and, and kind of – so Jan gets into it about how the business side to her was kind of overwhelming. You know, she got into it because she's a creative soul and she wants to make songs. That's what she loves to do. But then this business side crept in and it was really, really difficult for her to navigate for quite a while. Like she, had a, she had a rough time with it. So, and, I, and I've learned that myself as a comedian. There's a, there's a, there is a business side that isn't overly glamorous and it isn't a whole lot of fun most of the time. And uh, I'm just wondering what your relationship with with the business side of things. How have you how have you navigated that uh, for yourself and your career, and uh, and for Great Big C's career? Um, how did that go? Well, I've been I've been really lucky with that part of it because, you know, my first you know 15, 16, 17 years 
in the professional arts business or in the professional music business in particular, I was in a band with three or four of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. You know, you know, Sean and Bob in particular had a, a business acumen and still do. That's just incredible. Like, you know, they're very logical, very smart, very hardworking and um, very curious, studious people. And so I, I was blessed that way to learn to to have been in a collective where I didn't have to pay a lot of attention to that. And then I could, I was the kind of guy I would, you know, in our little band in our little world, like our manager, Louie and Sean and Bob often did a lot of business stuff. And I would be in charge of, uh, you know, quarterback on the show on stage. If there was one person that, you know, had to go or, you know, would go shake hands and, and kiss babies after I would do it. I'll do all that stuff. Right. You know, and because I enjoy it and I like it, and and so I was, so it's only really recently that I've 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 felt the weight of the music business because I'm on my own. <laughs> and I still have my manager and I have a great team, but I think that's the thing that I learned from them early early on is that the best way to to navigate the business, um, if you can at all, is to re- surround yourself with people who are who have particular skill sets that you need and when you need them, like. Like I, one of my things I always, I always say is the only person you should take legal advice from is a good lawyer. The right. only people who you know who should do your accounting, an accountant. <laughs> you know who should you know who should book the concerts you're doing, a booking agent. You know who should drive the van, a driver. <laughs> you know, and as soon as you can hire great professional people to work with you to do those those things. You know that that are not your skill set, but you know. And I and I look in big business, and you so often see that the CEO of the company really doesn't have any of the particular skill sets that that company does. You know, like a helicopter company, that the guy doesn't know anything about helicopters. Right. But he hires the guy. He's he's you know his VP over there of engineering is he knows all that, and I do what I listen to him, and then. Over on the other side, is the 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 business manager is the guy that you know, and so I always so not all the time, but very often, the most successful people I know are the people who are able to surround themselves with the best people. Yeah, I hear you, man. And it's like there's a bit of letting go to it, right? There's a bit of uh, okay, I acknowledge that's not a strength of mine, and therefore I'm going to bring someone in who does have a strength in that field, and it's trust, right? At the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Like I always say, you know, surround yourself with good people and get out of their way. Exactly. Let them do their job. Empower them to do, make decisions, do the stuff. You live and die by their choices and great. Yeah. yeah. Enjoyed this chat, man. I'm grateful for having me on. I got to scoot because my little fellow's waving at me. No worries, man. I got to go finish a (laughs) treehouse. More important (laughs) things, no doubt, man. Well, uh, you take care, man. Have a great summer and uh, I'll see you down the road, I'm sure. Safe travels, man. See you soon. My brother. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. That's how it all started Like a whisper in your ear You told them you loved them And ran as fast as you could It's not to be taken lightly Then you never were Your fingers bleeding, your body aches from the thunder in your heart So you laid on the line Blindfolded
slanted and chalk marked like a good little soldier knew just what you were Can you give up now? Can you turn this around? Can you keep your heart beating? How do you live when you don't know how? So you laid on the line Blindfolded and chalk-marked Like a good little soldier Knew just what you were Can you 